Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. Well, we're in the middle of a pandemic that's killed more than 250,000 Americans. Medical experts and political leaders of all stripes are asking us, even begging us, to stay home for the Thanksgiving weekend. Yet more than 50 million of us will be traveling over the next five days. We planned it a long time ago, so it was more like, should we keep it, should we not? And we decided to. I feel like you can't live in fear, and it's Thanksgiving, and you should be with your family, your loved ones. In just a bit. We'll speak with U of I Chancellor Robert Jones about students going home and then returning to the town and the university communities after the holiday. But first, let's check in with NPR's David Shaper. David, 50 million. Where did that number come from? How does it compare to past years? AAA came out with that projection. Uh, that estimate was taken actually about a month ago, and it's down 10% from last year. Uh, a couple of the interesting findings, uh, according to AAA, usually about 80, 85% of people drive somewhere for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. The rest fly. This year, it's going to be more like 95% of people are driving. See, yeah. Only half as many people are flying. A lot fewer people taking uh, the bus or trains uh, somewhere. But it is a bit surprising that it is actually that high, that it's you know close to 50 million people, although AAA is saying that with the explosion in, in new COVID-19 cases all across the country, people are, are still reconsidering and uh, not nearly that many people may end up hitting the road. Yeah, but when you see the photos, when I saw NBC Mm -hmm. Chicago had the photos on Friday and then the photos over the weekend of O'Hare, you would think nothing's changed, which is surprising to me only because the CDC recommends that uh, people change their travel plans, that you avoid flying at this time. It it really hasn't resonated. People are, Americans are saying, you know what, we're still going to do it. Yeah, you know, I was out there uh, yesterday talking to folks about their travel plans, and it, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, there are people who are just, you know, this is what they do every year. Mm-hmm. We fly somewhere, or we fly home, or we fly to be with in-laws or different relatives because this is important, and, and especially in a year like this, you know, for people's mental health, it, it just it's comforting it's it's important to be with family and and loved ones but but some people clearly they'll say that they don't think that they're at risk they don't think it's as big of a problem as the media makes it out to be and i talked to other people who were clearly in in a different situation where they just felt you know either because of situations with relatives who are not in good health uh, even not related to the coronavirus but uh, that this may be their last chance to get together with mm-hmm. with some family members and it's been agonizing for them to, to decide to, to travel. But I met several people who took full precautions. You know, they double masked and were wearing a face shield uh, on top of that. Social distancing. And, and the, the airlines and the airports are, for the most part, making that uh, feasible. Yeah. Uh, How's that trying to keep people Yeah, they're trying to keep people spaced apart. You know, when you queue up in, in line to go through security, for example, the TSA has markings on the floor. Uh, they actually have of TSA officers there 
telling people to spread out if they're not in the same family group. It's a little difficult if you have little kids with you, you're going to have them bunched around you. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, they're doing that. The airlines, and why they never did this earlier is, is beyond me, but they're actually starting to, you know, load the planes and queue up people to get on the planes by the row that they're sitting in. So therefore, if you're in the back of the plane, you're the first one on and you go back and you sit down and then, and they're, hmm. they're spacing people out as they board. So they're trying to have as little interaction with other people as possible. Uh, the cleaning protocols on the planes are just really something interesting that they've just really ramped it up. Uh, they have these, essentially they're like foggers, but they're, they call it electrostatic cleaning yeah. methods that they kind of fog the entire plane with a disinfectant. Um, the, some are using, you know, ultraviolet light to kill any viruses or bacteria that may be left behind on the plane. I mean, they are going all out to try to make sure people feel safe. Public health experts say that's all well and good, but, you know, the biggest problem is when you get to your destination and you take your mask off and you have a big meal gathering with, you know, 25 people from from five or six different households. Yeah. And that's where the virus can really spread. David, we've heard so much about the technology that goes into actually making sure that the planes are safe uh, from COVID-19 and, you know, all the, the restrictions and mandates that are on the plane. But when we're talking about the airport. I mean, that, the airport itself, when you talk about O'Hare or Midway, and they are doing their best to socially distance and move things around. But when you have this kind of influx where, they're, you know, we have a surge that's happening with COVID, but also millions of people going through these airports, I don't know what they can do. The odds say that there will be people with COVID-19 in that space. Absolutely. I saw it at the baggage claim is an area where it, it, people were telling me, you know, all the way through my trip the airline or the airport made sure we were social distancing, but then they get to baggage claim and everybody bunches up right around the belt yeah, right. waiting for their bags to come out. So people, I mean, some people were hanging back and let, and let everybody else get their bag first and then they'll, they'll grab theirs and, and make their way uh, out of the airport. There are, you know, sometimes lines at the counters, there are lines to get into the line for TSA and, and it is difficult for, for people to social distance in, in, in certain circumstances. This is one of the reasons the CDC and, and other public health experts, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, was saying just over the weekend again, don't travel because there's all these surfaces you can touch at the airport. You don't know who hit the buttons on that kiosk before you. Yeah. Uh, and, and before COVID, you should been. not be yeah. touching yeah. buttons at a kiosk. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a dicey proposition. And I think a lot of people understand that risk and are willing to take that risk because this is really important to them to get out. And, you know, there's a certain number of people out there who just still don't believe that the virus is as bad as as some people say it is. And all the doctors and health experts are wrong and they're invincible and they're willing to go take that risk. We've seen it all year. My last question for you just has to do with the airlines themselves, because Mm -hmm. they've been under such a financial stress over the past year. I can't see them uh, discouraging people from flying because this is no, a big no, weekend no, for not. them and the holidays are big time for them it, it, financially. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really big time for them for them making their bottom line. I mean, we've all been there, right? You know, like, uh, you know, the fares go up this time of year because it's difficult to get the flight at the time you want to be with the family you want to be with and the place you want to be. So it's a pretty profitable time of year and to not have that little bump uh, for the holidays is, is crushing for the airlines, which have had a really, really difficult year. So so they're offering bargain fares. That's another thing that's getting people out there. Uh, they are, um, you know, trying to promote the the fact that they are as clean uh, as possible. They're not 
you know, letting their foot up the, off the gas at all, and they're not discouraging people from travel. I will say, I talked to the head of the uh, the U.S. Travel Association, which is an umbrella trade group for all kinds of different travel industry companies and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And he actually told me, you know what, we'd rather people travel less now so the industry can recover sooner and come back at full strength sooner because they're not going to get that business back until the virus is gone. And that's not going to happen if people are still out there traveling and still having great big meals and group big group gatherings and, and spreading the virus. I mean, things are going to get worse before they get better if people don't heed. And that's what the travel, some in the travel industry are recognizing that, hey, maybe it's it's better to pay a stiff price now uh, so the industry can come back stronger sooner. Well, you heard it here, two masks and a face shield. <laughs> That's what we take away from this uh, conversation with NPR's national desk correspondent and former WBEC News Director David Shaper. David, uh, happy Thanksgiving, and uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure, Justin, and it's uh, great to be with you, and uh, hope you have a great Thanksgiving, too. Now, a lot of those travelers may be college students are planning to head back home for Thanksgiving, so that gives us a chance to touch base with the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign in the summer we checked in with U of I about their ambitious plans to get students back to campus. That including new testing protocols, changing dormitories and classrooms, the flow of students on the campus, on the quad. There have been a lot of ups and downs as the university did have a COVID outbreak. School administration uh, officials said parties and large gatherings were to blame, some off campus. But they made it to Thanksgiving, and students won't return to campus till the end of January. With me now to check in in the first half of the year as it wraps up is the chancellor at the University of Illinois, Chancellor Robert Jones. Chancellor Jones, welcome back to the program. It's my great pleasure to be with you today. I mean, we talked back in August when you guys were bringing students back. Here we are at the end of that, the, I guess, quote-unquote, the first half of the How did it go? You know, overall, it went extremely well, primarily because, uh, you know, the majority of our students did the right things. They social distanced. They wore face masks. They didn't uh, congregate at large parties. There's always a few, it seems, that uh, have a different perspective. And that did cause a spike uh, back in August, uh, first time and only time we went over, uh, it was about 2.86%. But we asked the students to essentially uh, restrict themselves to essential activities only, Mm -hmm. and we brought it back down. And uh, so as of today, uh, we've done 899,932 tests since July 6th. And the positivity rate at this point is below 0.4%. The daily positivity rate, I think, today was like 0.32%. What do you attribute that to? Do you attribute to the to the protocols and testing, the fact that, that kids had to get tested all the time to be able to go in a different building? Is it personal responsibility? What was it? It's the whole ecosystem because, you know, people talk about the testing, but we have an ecosystem that based on the epidemiological modeling on the front end that informed us how frequently we needed to test. It helped us understand where there were outbreaks, what dormitory, what fraternity or uh, Greek housing, what off-campus housing may have been having a problem because of the frequency of our testing linked to the app that allows us to do the digital contact tracing. So, yeah, we probably had almost eight, nine-fold more cases than we anticipated because uh, we didn't anticipate the social behavior piece of this that people would – 
test positive, and as you were saying in your intro, you know, not do the right things and, uh, you know, not uh, going to parties when they were test positive, not responding to the uh, Champaign Urbana Public Health Department when they were called to isolate. But through it all, it was the frequency of testing that allowed us to mitigate the spread. So, yes, we probably had over 3,000 cases, but they were 3,000 cases for the most part that weren't allowed to persist and be out there Mm -hmm. not being aware that they were positive and allowing the disease to spread across the campus community. And the partnership that we have with the mayors of Urbana-Champaign, with apartment owners and bar and restaurant owners, they did some amazing work that was able to mitigate the spread. So we don't have any evidence of any spread from campus to the community. And the last couple of weeks, we had a bit of spread from the community to the campus because our people live in communities. And as you know, the levels across the state are spiking. But we were able to mitigate that as well. And so how do you do that? How do you keep this surge from, from coming on campus? You have to change behavior. You have to set very high expectations. You have to, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, we had to suspend some students that didn't want to abide by the rules. We made it very clear the conditions under which students were going to have to abide by in terms of social distancing, wearing masks in the classroom, out of the classroom when you can't social distance, and uh, not going to large gatherings. And not only did our undergraduate students, but I think the last couple of weeks, the staff and faculty, everybody uh, did what they needed to do to bring the levels down. And we're proud of the fact that Urbana-Champaign and the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign in particular, has is probably the safest place to be in the state of Illinois, if not the country at the moment. My last question for you just is now, you know, the kids go home for break, and, and, and yep. the, the goal will be they'll be back in, in January. But, well, but that means that a lot of the protocols, the behavior, all the things you were talking about, the innovation that, the, that you've done to protect the campus— it kind of goes out the window because they go home. They they now well, are in different systems. What do you do? If you go home, um, you have to hit a restart. you got to do the same thing that we did in August, set up very clear expectations. And so it's a constant restart fighting a, a pandemic. And so when they come back in late January, we're requiring them to come back at least a week or so early. And they have to deliver two negative COVID-19 tests before they can start the semester. So it's kind of like a restart. You know, everything that we've learned thus far will be utilized in the spring semester to get people back in the classroom and to keep them safe for the rest of the academic year. Chancellor Jones and the University of Illinois, which has been a model for the Midwest, we've seen other Big Ten schools adopt what you guys have done at the University of Illinois when it comes to COVID-19 and getting kids back on campus. We'll check back in with you uh, come January when the kids come back. Chancellor Jones, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for being with us. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well, and thank you for always thinking about what we're doing down here in central uh, Illinois. So thank you so much. Have a happy Thanksgiving as well. Well, that's it for today's Reset. For the most up-to-date and accurate info on the COVID-19 pandemic, turn to 91.5 FM or go to WBEZ.org. And please take less than a minute to give this podcast a rating and a quickie review. It really helps us grow this community. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you right back here tomorrow.
Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.